FM. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego. Providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, just about 8.02 on Saturday morning. Great to have you here this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning talking about uh, investments, the economy, managing your money, all these important things. And with me is Chase Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Good. Good to be here. You're out of breath. You had to run down and get your uh, headset there. Huh? Oh, yeah. I left the headphones in the car. <laughs> Went for a little jog, but yeah. made it back. That yeah, makes you healthy in, in the morning. Yeah. Get that little jog. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to roll now. Yes, yes. Well, quite an interesting week this last week in, uh, in, in the markets. Uh, kind of we're hitting this volatility that we talked about, and, uh, you know, hang on. I think there's going to be more to it. Well, I mean, gosh, you're talking about volatility. We saw volatility. It, it was almost a complete 180 every day this week yeah. where you know monday tuesday it started way down then at the end of the day positive then i think it was uh wednesday thursday was way up and then it went down and then yesterday it was down and then up i mean you were seeing these huge reversals every single day and this again is why we don't trade i mean i, right. I, I talk to friends and you know uh, parents of friends and say Oh, I bet you're getting a lot of calls. And no, people know our philosophy. We, we buy businesses. The, <laughs> this one right. week of volatility does not change the fundamentals of the businesses that we own. And it's true. We didn't get one phone call because, again, we talk about investing in companies, businesses. We're not worried about this craziness that's going on now. And, and I'm not sure where we stand for the week um, because we don't watch it week to week. But it is, there wasn't much movement. And, and, I, I, and I think there's people that, and I forget what day it was, but one day it was down like 1,000 points. Yeah. And had you sold, like, oh, I got to get out. I think, was that the day it was up, like, 200 points? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, now what do I do? Oh, do I get back in? And then you get back in. Well, the next day it was down. So you got to stay away from the trading. I mean, it's exciting. It's fun when it's going up. But when we have a week like last week, and I think we'll have more of it uh, going forward this year. I do believe they say that uh, January predicts the rest of the market for the year. And I'm telling clients when I'm talking to them, yeah, we're going to have volatility this year. But don't worry about it. Uh, it's going to go up and down. So it's not just down. And people who think, oh, well, I'll be able to time it. I'll be able to get the down part and then uh, sell when it's up. And it's like, no, that's you're not going to be able to do that. So. Yeah, because people people sometimes ask me, like, oh, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, last week I kind of talked about, you know, Microsoft and Apple. If they had bad earnings, the market was going to fall with it. Right. Well, they had good earnings and the market didn't fall. I mean, I, you don't know what's going to happen. But you need to know how to protect yourself in case the bad things happen. Because I mean, it's not like a broken record here. But if things go down, don't be blind to it and just hold and say, oh, well, Brent and Chase said, you know, don't worry about the volatility. If you have bad investments, oh, right. don't blind blindly hold it. Because, again, we, we've talked about Microsoft back in 2000. If you bought at the peak, it took you 17 years to get back to break even. We talk about the Cisco's, the Intel's. I don't believe you're even at break even more than 22 years later. <laughs> it's, right. it's it's something you got to be very very wise about is don't hold blindly, know what you own, make sure it's not overpriced and that's when you can hold through the volatility. Yes, exactly. Good point. You got to check the fundamentals. And that's why we're here. I mean, you you want to check out a company, see what the fundamentals look like. You can give us a call when I can open the lines yet, but the phone number is 833 288 0973. That's 833 
888-0973. We'll check the fundamentals for you, try to point in the right direction of, yeah, that's kind of pricey. You might not want to hold on to that. Or, hey, that's a great deal. And there are getting more good deals out there now. Uh, we made a big buy this past week, so very, very excited about it. But uh, let's move on to uh, some reports from this past week. Uh, let's talk about the GDP report. It came in very strong uh, as fourth quarter uh, saw an annualized growth rate of 6.9%, which blew past the estimate of 5.5%. Now, while this is a positive, there was a large gain of 32% from private domestic investment, which is a gauge for business spending and inventory build. Now, the thing you got to think about, 32% gain is huge. Huge. Yes. So we're saying this is unlikely to repeat itself and, and could subdue the future reports. I mean, you look at the consumer activity, which is about two thirds of GDP. Again, that, that's a strong weight in that report. That was actually up just 3.3% in the quarter. So you wipe out that major gain of 32%. Now GDP is, is maybe below that 5.5% expectation. Uh, for the full year, though, we, we did see the economy gain 5.7% in annualized GDP, which was the strongest pace since 1984. And, and got to point this out. While I continue to believe the economy will have a good year in 2022, I believe, believe the pace of growth will decelerate compared to 2021 as we are no longer comparing against the easy economy that we saw during COVID in 2020. That's, that's a huge thing. Oh, we're breaking records. The economy's <laughs> on fire. Well, when you're comparing against something that was terrible, right. it's very easy to go up. Now that we have more of a baseline year in 2021, 2022, the comparisons are going to get much, much more difficult. And I did want to point out that uh, somebody did say, well, that's not very good because we're back to where we were. Well, I said, yeah, that's better than the alternative to where you still stay flat or <laughs> went down even more. So while it's not like I, I'm not for like, oh, the economy is growing, we are replacing, which is still a positive but now for this year, now we'll see how we can grow again. Uh, and one thing I did point out, want to point out, which uh, I've talked about before, is that the banks have a lot of money to to loan out. And we talked about uh, the positive there, where 32% uh, from domestic investment, which is from business spending and employee build. Companies have a lot of cash too. Yeah. But there's also that back up for them that they can they can borrow a lot of money, which will help things continue to grow here. So. Uh, don't forget about that, thinking, oh, they're going to run out of cash. Banks are flush with cash. They're willing to loan it, and they're so strong that I, it's not going to be like, this is not a 2008 at all by any means. Yeah, and, and the thing, too, when I think about, it's kind of an oxymoron. I say, I expect a healthy recession. Right. Well, that's, what do you mean a healthy <laughs> recession? The reason I kind of look at that is, is you can have you know growth decline. That's a very real possibility. But what we talk about is, again, banks have a lot of money to loan. There's so much cash in the economy right now that can get us through this. Then the banks can loan money. The reason I don't think we're going to have a major decline is we're not over leveraged right now. Right. That's what <clears> takes <throat> you from a healthy recession to a scary recession. Right. Where that leverage starts to come due, people start to default on homes, default on cars. Now there's all this excess supply. I don't foresee anything like that because of what we've been through in our history. There's going to be something else that creates an unhealthy right. recession, but right now I, I think we'll see a healthy recession in the yeah. coming years. And I think businesses are very strong. I, I do worry about some consumers who I think got over their head yeah. uh, trying to get into the real estate market and stuff. I think that could be a little problem, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out in 2022. But the nice thing is, again, we don't have what happened in 2007, 2008 with the housing crisis where people were doing liar loans. And right. you know they at least will have, in my belief, 
still positive equity because most people put down, you know, let's say 20%. So there's more money in the home than what we saw in 2007, 2008, 2009. What worries me is that people get in the same mode where, well, last year I was up 20% of the home. What? I'm down 3%? And that could start a decline because of, remember the, the millennials that you did about how oh, yeah. disappointed they were? And what's this maintenance I have to do? <laughs> how bad maintenance? <laughs> what do you mean I have to pay 3.5% for a mortgage? <laughs> yeah, so, That's a pretty darn good rate. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think what we'll see this year, I've kind of talked about it. We're kind of getting off track. But, anyways, um, I, I think we'll see a slowdown. Like, they're, they're, you're not going to see like the, the, the multiple offers and stuff like that. I think that's going to disappear. And then people are going to get like a little more to reality and like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. So we'll see how it plays out. But yeah. let, let's move on because I want to talk about public pension funds. In an effort to, to increase their performance, U.S. public pension funds have been putting more dollars into the higher risk private equity. Just four years ago in 2018, the total assets in private equity for public pension funds in the U.S. was $300 billion. That has now increased 60%. To four hundred and eighty billion dollars. You know this is concerning because of the higher risk and the illiquidity of private equity. Not to mention the higher fees that managers receive for private equity. There's plenty of good quality public equities to be invested in for the right manager, willing to do the research and be patient. And uh, kind of to echo what we were talking about in this post is, I think they're starting to reach. They've right. underperformed. They've been too much in bonds. Now they're behind the eight ball in terms of being able to meet their future liabilities. Now I think, oh gosh, what are we going to do? I think this is going to create some problems longer term for these pension funds. And I hate to see it with the pension funds because they're trying to, as you said, try to get better returns. Private equity. What is private equity? It's equity that's private. It just doesn't trade. Yep. So stop looking at the trading of your big companies that are on sale and get away from private equity because there's things going on behind the scenes that you may not know about because the term private. And I hate to see these pension plans do this because I don't think it's going to go well. Um, and I know people that run private equity, it, it, it's, it's kind of like a, like a smoke and mirrors. I'll put it that way. I'm trying to, trying to choose my words wisely here. But you don't need to do private equity. Invest in things you know because I'm also wondering too, and I just saw this, with private equity – does the SEC require them to put out the same type of statements that uh, the public do? I don't think they or do. Or is it pro forma? A pro forma. Or, or is it just like, no, you can do whatever you pretty much, much want to, where uh, even on the public side, we've seen some shenanigans. Well, if you don't have any regulations in the SEC saying, well, this is what you, again, the SEC doesn't approve or disapprove of the financial statements, but they make sure what has to go on there. Well, I don't think that's having a private equity that maybe you can put out whatever you want on your financial statement. It's like, who checked it? No one. Well, and the thing I don't really understand with pension funds doing the private equity, and I'll say too, I mean, just because we don't like private equity, there's still private equity that performs well. It, it's just- Well, does it? Or are those false numbers? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some funds by BlackRock yeah. and stuff that they, they do fine. And I'm not advocating for private equity, but you know, not all private equity is bad. I'm not making that statement, but y it's difficult to make a good decision in private mm -hmm. equity is what I would say. But back to the pension funds, my concern is the pension funds, what are they doing? They're paying out pensions. How in the world do you take an illiquid investment, and what if the bonds now all of a sudden, they're not paying enough in interest, you can't meet your obligations. What do you do? Hey, Mr. Private Equity Investor, I need my money back. Right. Oh, sorry, it's tied up in real estate right now. I can't sell that building. That could create some huge problems for these pension funds. 
all of a sudden they, they have a, a, a income problem. Right, right. I, and I think I'm just more conservative than you are at this point because I, I just don't like things being private. I've seen over my 40 years plus of doing this, things that were private that just don't go well. And you just don't know behind the scenes. And that's what I'm saying. I've seen some, you talk about BlackRock. Well, they do have private equity funds. I've seen big companies that have their own type of funds, hedge funds, and they blew up. So I, I would never, ever recommend private equity for anyone. Oh, I, I completely agree. I'm just saying that. Trying to be on the other side. No, yeah. there, there's just always going to be that, oh, well, I made 100% on that, that private equity deal. Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's been success in right. private equity is what I'm saying. I would never recommend it because, as I said, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. And you, you, you can't really check it. You don't know how good the numbers are. I mean, it's, it's something I don't advocate for. I'm just kind of. I guess playing devil's advocate here saying that, yeah, I'm sure there's good private right. equity managers out there. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of a little bit, kind of like the SPACs. Yeah. It's another thing that you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And they were big for, I don't know, six, 12 months. All of a sudden, they're not doing so well. Some of them just blew up. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot. Of, I mean, you look at like Virgin Galactic. Gosh, that is just tank. I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of them that, that have really, really struggled. Yes. And I think. Nicolo was one of the first ones that really had the big issues, and oh, that yeah. was kind of because of mm, some CEO troubles. But now you're kind of seeing just more concern across them, and I, I think many of them are down 50, 60 percent. I mean, it, it's it's a dangerous place to be investing. I'm pretty sure we warned against those against those like yeah, don't don't get into them. But we I think we had a couple callers like, well, you know, this one sounds pretty good. Like no, no, stay away from it. So and again, <laughs> that's where it comes down to. We're not right 100 percent of the time. But we're conservative when we look at things, and we're going to miss the big, big gainers. Yeah. But we're also going to avoid those ones that fall and simply just don't come back. And, you know, I, I learned early in my career I'd rather err on the side of caution than be aggressive because when you lose it, you can't make it up. If you miss something and only do, we'll say, a 10% return versus a 15% return, you still have it because sooner or later when you, you reach for that brass ring, you keep trying to go higher and higher, you miss it, boy, you lose a lot quickly. <laughs> you know what the bigger problem is? What's that? Many times after you lose it, you try and make it up by doing risky things yet again, and you just keep losing. <sighs> yeah. And, and it's it's a domino effect. So that, that's why, again, we, we don't like to put ourselves in that situation. Yeah. yeah. We, we said if you do an 8 10% return on average per year over your lifetime of investing, you're going to do pretty darn well and stop trying to reach for those high fires. And, and I will say one other thing. We're getting sidetracked today. Yeah, we're I, I think yeah. it's good conversation here. Is, you know, it, it reminds me a lot, too. I, I look at, you know, the tech boom where people were making huge returns, and it's like, gosh, this is so great. I don't need any help. Like, I'm just making 20%, 30% per year. This is easy money. And then they lost, you know, 70 80 90%. The big problem then became, oh, I'm not getting it. Stocks are just crazy risky. <laughs> and those people, unfortunately, have been out of the stock market now for 20, 22 years because they thought stocks were risky. And it's like, you thought 30% per year? And this is a number I'm just <laughs> pulling out here. It's not a, a real number, but I know people did that back then. That was going to last forever. You know how many billionaires we'd have in this oh, world? Everybody would <laughs> be a billionaire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so easy. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, people just don't understand compounding. Right. And if you're able to compound at a that type of return, I mean, your money would just grow uh, enormously. Right. And that's why we talk about, you know, doing 8%, 10%. That's a good realistic return that you can look at trying to achieve over the longer run. And, and trust me, you'll, you'll do very well 
because of compounding. And, and also, too, just to, again, stay off track here, uh, when people come in for a consultation with us, you know, we talk about an average return. Eight, ten percent is what we're shooting for. But we actually show them that at a seven-year period, you are going to have a couple losing years. You're going to have losing quarters. That's going to happen. That ten percent we talk about is an average over that time frame. So you might lose, you know, five percent, ten percent one year. Next year, do twenty-four percent. Year after that, five percent. So we talk about it's going to be all over the board. But over seven years, if you average that eight to ten percent, you're doing pretty darn good. And it's just like. Um, yeah, you, you just have to be real with investing. And that, that's why people that panic and pull out during those down years, they miss, it's so funny. Well, this is when you should be adding to it, not pulling out, because then they miss the next big year because things are lower. So it's just, investing's hard. Yeah. And, and you never Very know much. when that big month, when that big yep. year is going to come. And that's the issue people have. It's like, oh, I didn't do anything for 11 months. I, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. And then all of a sudden that 12th month, it, it's a big month. And then maybe it doesn't go anywhere for three, four months. You never know when the mm -hmm. excess returns are going to come, which is why you can't time the market. And, and people, unfortunately, think they know, and then they miss those big returns. And then now you, again, play that guessing game. And, and there's been studies done. I forget the exact numbers, but they say if you miss just the, the best, I think, 10 days out of a year in the market, it makes your return go from, like, 10% to 5%. It's just <laughs> huge. So yeah, And that's why we say don't try to time the market. You're not going to get it right. You may get one side right but you may not get the other side right, or you might get it right once, and the next time, well, now I'm smart, and I'll time the market. The next time, you just totally blow it, you, you lose half your money. So let's move on and talk about oil companies. One that uh, about a year ago was like, oh my gosh, oil companies are terrible, but people are concerned about investing in oil companies because they believe there is a very short time frame before the EV market will reduce oil consumption. Well, here are some numbers for you to contemplate. Each year, roughly 95 million cars are sold with a current EV penetration of about 4%. Now, this is estimated to go to 15% by 2025, and five years after that, new car sales will be about 30% EVs. Yeah, and, and that would be a decline in oil consumption of about 3 to 4 million barrels. Oh, gosh, that sounds like a lot, right? But again, remember, oil is used in other products such as asphalt for roads, perfumes, plastics, and many other items. Now, this number just blew us away. But just if you're curious, oil is using about 6,000 different products, <laughs> not just for gasoline. Right. <laughs> and I've talked a lot about, too, the uh, the planes. And it's going to take me a while to feel comfortable before I get on a plane that's electric. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> know about that one. The other thing we point out here, too, is an increasing world economy by 2030 could easily offset that decline of 3 to 4 million barrels of oil from the increase in other uses Again, I presume we will still be using plastics and paving our roads for years to come. All right, it's it's something that I think a lot of people are missing out on as they're trying to get into this ESG mode of investing. Oh, I can't have oil companies. It, I, I think it's a mistake. You know, <clears throat> and when, when I was writing this, I kind of looked at, I, I double check, triple check, six thousand products. I mean, I I can't even imagine what they are. But it, it is multiple times. You just Google it, it'll come up many times like, wow. Um, so it is a true number. So we're not just kind of making that number up. And when you think about it, oil is going to be around for many, many years to come, which is kind of a shame that here in the U.S. we've cut back our production because now we're dependent on other countries once again, which we won't go too deep into that. But it's just trying to make the point that don't think because, oh, I'm seeing more Tesla on the road, better sell my oil companies. No, oil is used in a lot of other things, especially, you know, the, the roads is a big one, plastics. Uh, I mean, everything seems to go in the plastic route, you know, I mean, you know, 
Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people kind of missed the boat and energy last year, and, and it did really well. And right. it started off on fire this year as well. Uh, I, I still think there is some, some room to run for energy. Um, I, I'd be a little bit cautious buying it. I, I know Chevron fell a little bit yesterday, uh, was trading at a, at a high. Yeah. So it pulled back from that. Exxon's up near its 52-week high. Uh, so you, you just got to be careful in it right now. But I still think energy is going to perform well in 2022, especially commodities generally perform well in inflationary periods. I still think right. we'll see inflation this year. And, and I got to say, Chase, I was happy we had one oil company in the portfolio. Sad we didn't have two companies <laughs> that have oil companies in the portfolio. Uh, because just like, you know, we looked at it, looked at it. So just like sometimes that's all investing. It just, you know, but again, happy we had one, but sad we only had, didn't have two. And, and that's the hard <laughs> thing, too, about investing is you look at things sometimes. And, you know, we were looking at Exxon. And gosh, I think they were paying like 8 9% <laughs> dividend yield and, you know, you still get that dividend and the stocks run up tremendously. So that's a hard thing is, you know, sometimes you miss things because you might not have available cash in the portfolio. Right. <coughs> you have other things, too, that maybe perform just as well as an Exxon, let's say. But you still see that Exxon go up. You're like, oh, I wish I had yeah. cash back then to buy it. So and I interesting think if, stuff. I think if we didn't have the other energy company, we probably would have bought Exxon as well. But yeah. we didn't. But we got one. And Hopefully you had an energy, you know position in your portfolio i'm talking to our listeners yeah here, not, well, well we got the same yeah. portfolio <laughs> but our listeners yeah hopefully they, they did as well but and it was very tough i mean okay. uh when we had our engine company but why i can't rid of that and it's like no no we're gonna hold on to it and it's done done very very well well let's go ahead and open the phone lines talk to uh, listeners uh, you got a question on a stock you uh own you know buying selling or holding or have other investment questions uh give us a call for that unbiased no strings attached but i'm no opinion at 833-288 Zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Well, good morning again, gentlemen. Thanks as always for being here and uh, a great discussion this morning. A great discussion. Um, yeah, I think uh, oil is actually in everything we do. Because uh, it's got to be delivered. Whatever yes. you buy has got to be delivered. And some <laughs> truck had to deliver it. Or some boat had to bring it over here. <laughs> yeah, or a real car. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I share your belief that it's always going to be, you know, it's going to be used. Just yes. that simple. And uh, one more tip on private equity. Uh, I actually read through a full prospectus one time just to educate myself. And the only tip I've got on that is when someone hands you a prospectus, turn it over and rip off all the color photos in the front of the prospectus <laughs> and throw them away. They're so pretty, though. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but <laughs> but that ain't what you're buying. You're buying the numbers that are in the book. Yeah, and when you read a prospectus, it really scares you. It's just like, oh, my gosh, that could happen? Oh, that could happen? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yep. So congratulations, yeah, for you to, on, congratulations for you to, for reading one. So how can we help you, Jim? Well, I'm uh, CFG Citizens Financial Group is one of my holdings, and as usual, it's uh, got an invest and it's got a dividend. And as usual, I'm <laughs> just curious the the certainty of the certainty. That's probably the wrong word. The possibility <laughs> of uh, <clears throat> you know continuing their uh, dividend stream, which is uh, nice for me. All right. Well, let's uh, take a look at the Citizens Financial Group. Their symbol is CFG. They are in the regional bank uh, industry. Uh, not much float on it, 2.5%, but a lot of institutional ownership, 97.5%. So a lot of uh, small investors do not hold this. It's mostly institutionals. 
We do see a PE ratio of 10. That's good because the industry is at 12.9. Price of sales, 3.3. That's above the industry at 2.5. Price to book value, 1.5. And that's important for banks. Uh, better in the industry at 3.5. Price of cash flow, very expensive though, 10.9 versus 2.9. Now we do see year over year that the earnings were up 124%, better in the industry at 73.9. Sales did fall by 3.9%, industry up 11.8. Uh, we do see a five-year growth estimate. Don't like seeing this for citizens. It's a negative 2.8%, while the industry is a positive 5.9%. So I'm not sure why the analysts are seeing a negative growth in this company for the next <coughs> five years. We do see that they pay a dividend of 3%, uh, only use 31% to pay that dividend. So that's a pretty strong dividend there. Balance sheet is a bank, so there's no current ratio. Debt to equity does look good, though, 0.3% versus 1.1. We do see a net profit margin very high, 33.9 versus 22.4. So I probably wanna check that out to make sure that's not just a one-time thing. Maybe they sold some assets or something, or maybe previous year was very low, so check that number. And then return on equity, 9.1. That's not quite as good as the industry at 10.2. Chase, what do you got? Yeah, so current price here for Citizens Financial Group, $51.70, 52 week high, well that's $57 a share in the low. $36.01. Year-to-date uh, return, it's done very well, up 10.2% this year, easily outpacing the, the broader-based indexes. And also, I mean, it's a good-sized regional bank. Uh, I, I know this one's in 11 states, kind of more East Coast, Midwest-type areas, but, uh, you know, it's got a $21.8 billion market cap, so not a small fish there. If I go out to December 2023, though, I do see estimated earnings per share of $5.10. I mean, it gives us a very, very attractive target sell price of $84.66. So I like the valuations on this company. I like the financial industry uh, during this type of rising interest rate environment. I, I think it's I think it's a good one there. And I'm looking to see, uh, and I, I know it's here somewhere, because uh, we now see uh, December 2023. So did report already for December 2021. Do you see anywhere, did they surpass that uh, estimate? What did they do here? I, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, do you have that? <laughs> we, we can't find Putting it. Putting me on the spot. Yeah, I know, I know it. Because uh, I'm kind of looking. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not sure what they did. Yeah, to be yeah, yeah. I wish we could. Maybe it's just not on, on the. Sh if you told me ahead of time, I probably could have found it. Okay. But now you put me well, on the spot. We'll put Jim on the spot. Oh, Jim, here, here you go. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh no, that's not the. I see they they beat in terms of the revenue beat by 13 cents on earnings. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, their earnings per share uh, was $1.26, so that was a beat by $0.13. Cents. Revenue was $1.72 billion. Uh, that beat by 56 point, we'll call it $6 million. So yeah, it, was a, it looks yeah, like it was a good, good quarter. Good quarter, yeah. All right, well, Jim, we saved a little, little bit of homework there. I was going to have you do that, but now you got that. So um, <laughs> it, it, it looks pretty good there. A little bit weird on the valuation ratio, though. Already? Yeah, I, I, if, I'd appreciate, by the way, if uh, you guys would give me a quick little narrative on uh, funds from operations versus earnings. I've uh, I've bought somewhere between 12 and 39 businesses in my life, depending on how you count. <clears throat> and I'm painfully aware that the only time the word profit means anything is when you're filling out a tax return. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes seriously, the, the rest the rest of the time it's cash flow. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and and I I know that is true to some respect, but we we do look at it, and I know we're probably one of the few. We do actually like to see our companies have a nice profit. Uh, I think short term, you're right, doesn't really matter, but long term it does because if you're not going to have profits, eventually you'll be out of business. So. But I think you said fund flow from operations, that simply is usually for the real estate side. 
and that takes out the depreciation because real estate has so much depreciation to it. Yeah, we look at cash from operations as well. So I, I, it is something that we look at. We don't, unfortunately, have enough time to kind of dive down deep into the show. But it, it is, uh, again, we don't just look at the earnings and say, oh, the earnings are great, buy it. You know, we want to make sure the cash flow is great. We want to make sure the earnings are great as well because longer term, the earnings should flow through to the cash flow, which is why it's important, uh, except for, you know, high depreciation type businesses, which is, again, mainly going to be a real estate, which is why we look at the fund flows from operations. So um, cash flow is important, but earnings are important to us as well. Yeah. All right, Jim. I'll let you go. I'll let you go in 30 more seconds. My only concern is on earnings. It's very easy to very legally profit, very legally equity, equity and morally to move earnings all over the place, depending on what you need to, for the uh, the uh, financial statements for that particular year. Right? And that's why you got to dig through the financial statements to see what they're actually doing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. A lot. Right. There could be accounting tricks, but the accounting tricks can't last forever, especially on the gap side. So, you got to look at the whole picture. And, yeah. and that's why the earnings are a great start of the research, not the finish of the research. Yeah, that, that's why it takes us uh, 10, 15, 20 hours before we invest in something because we're looking for all the things like that. Like, are we missing something? So, but yeah, that's why we love what we do. All right, Jim. I love it, too. Thanks thanks a bunch, and uh, talk to you next week. Probably bye. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That does open up the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vest Show over in Chase. How can we help you? Hi. Good morning, guys. Just um, wanted your opinion on NVIDIA. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> did you hold that, John, or looking to buy it? Yeah, I hold it. It's been a long-time favorite. Oh, okay. I, I'm kind of surprised. We've known you for years, John. I'm kind of surprised this is in your portfolio. You usually have the Caterpillars and the the, the, the big big companies, but I'm kind of surprised you have NVIDIA. But uh, let's take a look at that because I'm kind of curious myself what they've done lately here. Symbol for NVIDIA is NVDA. Uh, not much float on it, 1.1%. Not as much institutional ownership either, only 67%. Here's the things that kind of worry me on NVIDIA. P.E. ratio, 70.4 versus 27 Price to sales, 23.8 versus 6.1. Price to book value, 24 versus 5.5. Price to cash flow, 71 versus 16.8. So, I mean, the valuations on NVIDIA are very, very high, which worries me. However, I do have to mm -hmm. say you have a good peg ratio of 1.3 versus 5.3. So, they're looking for a lot of growth going forward for NVIDIA. Uh, their earnings are up uh, one year, 112%, better than the industry, up 45%. Sales climbed by 64%, well above the industry at 4.7. Five-year growth rate for NVIDIA, 39%, above the industry at 21. I'm surprised here. They pay a dividend. I'm not sure why. It's 0.1%, 16 cents. Then they use 4.9% of their earnings to pay that out. I don't know why they even bother paying a, such a small dividend. Kind of silly, I think. But um, we do see that uh, on the balance sheet here. Current ratio, 7.1 versus 3.5. Now, that sounds very good. But I do a question to company. When you get so high in your liquidity, what is wrong here? Why are you not using that to buy other companies or buy back stock or something? Because you're not getting very much on that cash. Or could they be saving for a big acquisition going forward? But don't like seeing a lot of liquidity on the balance sheet. And the quick ratio is 6.5, also very high. Looking at the debt to equity, that looks good. 0.5 versus 0.6. Uh, net profit margin, 33.8. That's above the industry at 22.8. And return on equity, 34.5 versus 26.7. So you got some good numbers here on, uh, in the past here. Uh, what do you have going forward, Chase? Yeah, so current 
price here for NVIDIA, $228.40. I, I know it's really struggled with the uh, concerns over the rising interest rates. You can see the 52-week high, $346.47. It's still up nicely over the 52-week low, though, of $115.67. You see the year-date return uh, not doing well, down 22.3%. Uh, market cap for this company is now $571 billion. It's a, definitely a sizable company. I know it it, it cracked a, a, the top 10 in the S&P 500 in terms yeah. of market cap. <coughs> I don't know if it's still up there with the huge decline, but I know for a while there it, it was it was one of the larger companies here in the U.S. Uh, if I go forward, though, January 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.19. I mean, it's still trading at lofty levels. It gives us a target sell price of $86.15. Forward PE on the company's 44.02. And, and the one thing that concerns me about NVIDIA, and it, you can argue maybe, okay, it's growing a lot more than Intel, you know. Right. But the thing that I look at is Intel has a market cap of $194 billion. They're very profitable. They're not growing a lot. But at some point, NVIDIA needs to grow into an Intel-like business. They're not going to be in a hyper-growth mode forever. Their market cap, again, is $571 billion. More than two times the size, nearly three times the size, actually, of Intel's. And that's what concerns me is, yes, it's done very well as of late, but how does it continue even higher? That's right. my concern with NVIDIA. And, and, and what worries me as well is that, okay, they've done very well in the past. Uh, and again, it's a great company. They have done a great job. But all it takes is a stumble going forward, and you can see the stock fall even more. Because when you trade at these lofty levels, that's great. Party is great until people get drunk and start falling down. Uh, and we are going to have a difficult time going forward, and there are competition there. So we just don't like, John, you listened to a long time, we don't like to pay high prices for companies. Uh, we, we looked at some like Spotify, or Shopify, I'm sorry, Shopify, gosh, uh, they're down 50% from their high. Um, you've got to be careful with these high-growth companies, especially, I think, this year with the rising interest rates. So good company, but I would be selling this company. I just think it's way too expensive, even at these current levels. We'll see what happens, too. I think they report here shortly. So, I mean, they, they could have good numbers. It, it looks like they uh, it looks like they may have reported, actually, already. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. So, uh, but have to – oh, I'm sorry. That's Intel's. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. NVIDIA looks like they report on 223 is what I have here. Yeah, so they report next they're, month. They're in a fiscal year. It looks like mm -hmm. they close the year in, in January 31st. So, uh, John, again, surprised you hold it. I would not recommend hanging on to NVIDIA. I think you're going to see a very difficult year for them. Great company, but as I said, just, just too expensive there. Already? All right. Thanks, guys. All right, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. That does open up the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with uh, Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent and Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent and Chase. Um, I'd like you to look at uh, Amcor technology, please. And do you hold that or looking to buy it? No, I would say looking to buy it. Okay. Like and where did you see it or hear about it? Uh, I saw it on Yahoo Finance. Oh. Kind of uh, looking around in there and, and kind of came upon it. Okay. Well, let's take a look at uh, uh, Amcor Technology, symbol AMKR. Uh, they are in the semiconductor industry, so maybe we'll find some deal here of a company, a semiconductor company that's a great deal. Uh, about 5.2% is the float, 40% uh, ownership by institutional. Great start here. PE ratio is 9.3, well below the industry at 27.4. Price to sales 0.9 versus 6.1. Price to book value 1.9 versus 
versus 5.5. Then price of cash flow, 5.3 versus 16.8. We do have a great pig ratio as well, 0.8 for MCOR versus 5.3 for the industry, so that's a big positive. We do see that their earnings grew one year by 62% above the industry at 45. Sales are up 14.5%, well above the industry at 4.7. They do have a five-year growth rate from the analysts of 21.4%, just slightly ahead of the industry at 21.2. Uh, they do pay a 1% dividend, only use 7.1% of the earnings to pay that out. Look at the balance sheet, you got a current ratio of 1.5, that's okay. The industry is at 3.5, but still 1.5 is good. Debt to equity looking good also, 0.4 versus 0.6. We do see they got uh, day's inventory is 35 versus 95. That's a good thing. It means the inventory is cleaned out quickly. We also see a net profit margin, 9.6, not as good of the industry at 22.8, but return equity is 20.3, which is good. Also not as good as the industry at 26.7. Chase, what do you got going forward? Yeah, so looking at the pr price here for uh, Amcor technology, <coughs> it's $21.02, 52 week high, well that's $29.50, and a 52 week low, $15.51. I'm not super familiar with this company, I did look them up, they are in Tempe, Arizona, is actually where they're based out of, uh, but they provide outsourced semiconductor packaging and test services in the US, Japan, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and the rest of the Asia Pacific. Of course, before buying it, I, I would want to understand a little bit more about their products, uh, pretty broad in terms of packaging and test services. But uh, I do see, even though I'm not familiar with it, a decent sized company, about a $5 billion market cap. So it is still in a range that you could maybe buy at $5 billion. Uh, looking forward, though, for Amcor, I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $2.50. That would give us a target sell price here of $41.50. So, I mean, that looks very attractive. I will point out the one caveat there's just two analysts that are following Ooh, this. So yeah. you, you kind of are on your own here, Jim. Again, we like to see. I'd say at least five to seven different analysts before feeling comfortable with that. Hey, it is kind of a, at five billion, it's kind of a, not a, I, I'm going to go to a small company at five billion yeah. market cap, kind of a small company. It's nothing that I don't think we'd ever get into because we could move the market on it. But I kind of like the numbers on it, but you do have to do more research for those just two analysts. And also too, the 40% the institutional ownership that there's a lot of retail investors in there that, that tells me generally that can be more fickle. More fickle. Now on the other side, more institutionals could come into Maybe. it and, yeah. and be a benefit. So that's 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 the fun part of investing. <laughs> What's going to happen there? <laughs> all right, Jim. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Fickle meaning they could all bail out or something, and then it would move the stock price. Or yeah, if yeah. it goes down and it's like, oh my gosh, they, they don't have the comfort generally in the numbers, so then they trade more on the momentum of things, which could really carry things lower. Yeah. yeah and you really got to do the research on what this company does and uh, look at the the 10K, 10Q. I mean, just look for things that could go wrong on it. But I think it's worth the research, and you can do it as a small investor, but um, you got to be careful with it. All righty? All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Okay, Jim. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Before we go to Bill or Rose, uh, time to talk about financial planning. For that, we turn to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I'm I'm excited to hear about this topic because we've seen this a little bit at our 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 firm here. We're talking about inheriting annuities. Not what people probably think is really going to happen there, is it? It's not. So it's you know the reason we or I wanted to talk about this. This is something that happened in in our firm um, in the last week. Someone had an annuity from somebody else. We don't sell annuities, but um, they had an annuity. And then, uh, you know, passed away, and now we're inheriting the annuity or the beneficiary is. So, 
kind of wanted to talk about that. And what I'm dealing with here is non-qualified annuities. So if you inherit a qualified annuity, like something in an IRA, that's simple. You can just roll it into an IRA. Um, that's not a problem. But for non-qualified annuities, so that um, after tax money that's buying this, um, it's important to understand the rules. So if you have an annuity or your spouse has an annuity or maybe you have some parents that have an annuity and you're ultimately going to be inheriting that, um, you want to listen. So first I'll say, you know, if you inherit capital assets like a stock or a bond or hey, a real hey, estate. Hey, uh, Harrison, um, I, I'm going to ha maybe have you call back. I think we'll take a call because you're kind of breaking up a little bit. It's kind of hard to understand a little bit what you're saying. So let's try to have you call back. We'll take another call or uh, have you call back. So I didn't want to talk about this. So so let's try to get a better line. All righty? Oh, all right. I'll, I'll call back. Bye, guys. Okay. Bye. All right. Uh, let's go quickly out to, let's see, Bill in San Diego. Bill, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, good morning, guys. Good morning. Love How you doing? Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, Shopify, it's taking a beating. I'm wondering if that's an opportunity to get in. You know, we talked briefly about how they have taken that big fall here, so I'm glad you called about it. I, I know this stock has always traded at very lofty levels, so it is kind of curious, is this now time to buy Shopify or not? And, and I don't think you own it, is that correct? You're looking at buying it, Bill? That's correct. Okay. All right, so let's take a look at uh, Shopify, symbol is S-H-O-P. Uh, we do see not much short on it, 3.4%. Uh, institutional ownership, 71%. Uh, the P.E. ratio, 32.5, and I'm pretty sure that's down a lot from what it was before. Uh, price of sales, 26.2. That's above the industry at 10.7. Price to tangible book value, 10.1. That's very good because the industry is at 100+. And then price of cash flow, not so good. It's 100-plus versus 62 for the industry. And they do have a good peg ratio, 3.2 versus 15.2. Now, we see that earnings per share growth over one year, 900 and 36% above the industry at 122%. Sales are up 44.4%, uh, industry up 20.8%. They do not pay a dividend. Look at the balance sheet, wow. Current ratio, 14 versus 2.9. Even the quick ratio, 13.5 versus 2.8. They've got a lot of cash on that balance sheet. They've got to really start doing something with that because it's just kind of sitting there as dead money. So that's a big positive for the company. We do see that uh, debt to equity also looks good, 0.1. That's about 10% versus 80% for the industry. Uh, intangible assets, another important thing I look at, 3.6%. The industry at 32%, so they got a strong balance sheet without a lot of intangible assets. We do see uh, they got a net profit margin of 81% versus 0.2. Now, you really got to check that to see. I mean, that means for every dollar they bring in, they keep 81 cents. It almost sounds too good to be true. You really got to check that through the uh, P&L to see what's going on with that. Return on equity, 30.1 versus uh, 8 for the industry. And then uh, return on invested capital, 27.6 versus 9.8. Chase, what do you got? Yeah, so current price here for Shopify, $872.23. As we said, it's just been completely hammered down about 50% as the 52-week high was $1,762.92. The 52-week low now is $780. So not even much of a gain off that low, uh, especially compared to where yeah. it was. Year-to-date, stock's down 36.7%. Still a large company at a market cap of over $108 billion. And one thing I'll say here, too, is you got to be careful buying things on a dip. And what I mean by that, oh, it's down 50%. It's a buying opportunity. I'm going to go again back to the tech bus. If you buy it down 50%, 
it still could fall another 50%. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a decline of 75%, which sounds crazy, but we saw a lot of companies go through this. Yeah. If you buy down 50%, you still could have a major fall. Oh, yeah. So be careful. You don't want to, uh, what's it called? Uh, buy, uh, catch a falling knife is, yes. is the, the old saying there. And I say that because, I mean, the valuations on this company, I, I chuckle, they're still tremendously high. Man, oh, I yeah. go up to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $6.67. That gives me a target sell price of $110.72 forward PE here of $130.86. 130 times. Oh, excuse me, not 130. Yeah, 130.86 times future right. earnings. I mean, that is a tremendously high valuation. I'd be still very, very careful with this business. And it tells me maybe they had a, a sale of an asset or, or something. Yeah. Because a company's price to sales and price to earnings should not be that close. <laughs> right. And an 81% net margin, not a gross margin, a right. net margin. Very, very unrealistic. And I'm not even sure exactly what this company does. I mean, I they, they're kind of like uh, for small business, they kind of create, in a simple term, an Amazon for like a small business. They kind of do like the web hosting for a business. They kind of create online stores for small businesses. Okay. So it, it's a really cool thing in, in e commerce. Um, but uh, again, you're, it's pricey. Uh, yeah, good good business, just uh, too, too pricey there. And uh, the thing is, it's around $800 a share. It could go down to four hundred dollars a share, as kind of Chase said. So, uh, very risky gamble. I put it at this point. Again, great concept, but just way above the norm for uh, value of a company to be invested into. All right, Bill. Very helpful. Thanks, guys. I greatly appreciate it. All Have right. A nice weekend. You too. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. I think we have Harrison back. Uh, Harrison, you there? Can you guys hear me better now? A little bit. Let <laughs> uh, get off speaker. How about this? It's like the connection's bad. Yeah. Um, we we never had this problem, and and all the times you've been on, and I, I know you're probably on a cell phone, but it's just like there was something. Um, you you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Um, I, I think what we're going to have to do is postpone this one till till next uh, next week here, and I we'll have to figure this out for next week. We never had the problem before, but it's just like you're. It's, it's sounds like a robot. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so you kind of get the Saturday off here, even though you called <laughs> in twice. But, yeah. Well, and I do want to do this one because it is so important hearing annuities. So we'll just do it next week. Alrighty. All right, guys. I'll, I'll talk to you Monday. Okay. Bye bye. All right, uh, let's go back to the calls here. Phone numbers 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Rose in San Diego. Rose, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent and Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, Brent and Chase. Good morning. I wanted your opinion on Archer Daniels Midland. The symbol is ADM. And do you hold that or looking at buying it? I'm looking to buy it. Okay. You know, it's so funny. I just saw this go across the screen the other day. And it's like, I know this is one that Chase and I kind of looked at. We didn't pull the trigger on. We thought, well, this will be good with inflation and so forth. So we'll kind of save that to the end why <laughs> we kind of think it is. And you said you're looking at buying it. Is that correct, Rose? Correct. Okay. All right. Coming again is uh, Archer Daniels Midland. Their symbol is ADM. Uh, not much float on this at all, 0.8%. Institutional ownership, 81%. We do see a P.E. ratio of 15.9. That is above the industry at 14.1, but price to sales is 0.5. That's below the industry at 0.6. Price to 
price of tangible book value 2.7 versus 14.1 and price of cash flow 6.5 well below the industry at 16. they also do have a nice peg ratio of 1.6 versus 7.8 so not paying much for the future growth of this company now the earnings uh, are up 47 percent for the past year not as good as the industry growth of 99.3 percent and sales are up 24.5 percent also not as good as the industry up 37.1. Now, they do pay a dividend of 2.1%, use 32% of the earnings to pay that out. Look at the balance sheet here, we do see that you got a current ratio of 1.6 versus two, that's okay. Debt to equity is very good, 0.5 versus 0.7 for the industry. We do see that you have a net profit margin of 3.3, not as good as the industry at 4.5, but return equity 11.9, also not quite as good as the initial 13.7 and return on capital nine versus 8.4. Okay, Chase, tell us the story of why we're... we're <laughs> well, current price here for ADN, <coughs> $75.92. Gosh, I remember looking at this. I think it was around 50 is when we were looking at it. So. I think like 45. Yeah, yeah. but uh, hey, you, you uh, move on, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is right near the 52-week highs. That's $75.96. 52-week lows, $49.69. You see a nice year-to-date return up 12.3%. A good-sized business as the market cap's $42.5 billion. Uh, you know, the reason we liked this company is because it's, you know, farm products. They do a lot mm -hmm. of kind of, I'm almost going to call it like feedstock for food companies. You know, that they kind of help supply a lot of the food businesses uh, is what they'll kind of do. And they, they have other areas of business as well. But it's just a very simple ingredients type company is what they do. And generally in inflationary periods, you, you like these types of companies. But going forward for ADM, I, I do see in December 2023 for that year, it's estimated they have earnings per share of $5.15. Would give us a target sell price of $85.49. So it, it's still above the current level there, Rose, but be cautious. Uh, I don't believe that gives us our margin of safety there of 30%. Right at the 52-week high, uh, it might go higher. You might miss it, but uh, I'd rather be patient with a business like this. It's a good company, a, a stable company. But uh, I, I'd want to get a better price before jumping in. And, and I don't think, and, and this is my opinion, I don't think we'll have a pullback on this anytime soon because of the fact that we have food inflation now. So I don't think they'll be pulling back. But, Rose, you got to kind of join us. You, you, you missed it with us uh, back at the lower levels. Great company. But now, as Jay said, it's 75. It's just, it's just too expensive to invest in at this point in time. There could be a pullback. Um, or what could happen is the stock could kind of plateau and earnings could, uh, estimates could rise. Right now, you just can't jump into it. Uh, it's just too expensive. All righty. Got it. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay, Rose, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And, Chase, I want to talk about something because, you know, we're very real here on the show. We, we talk about true investing, what we're doing. We said that, yeah, we, we're looking at ADM. We missed it. Um, I want to talk about, you see advertised, and I've seen other ones do this. I'm going to pick on Motley Fool. I like Motley Fool's concept about buying the company. Sometimes I think they're way too aggressive. But what I'm pointing out, you see the commercial. Oh, our return is like 600% for the past 10 years, five times the, the S&P 500. What you and I have talked about, the difference is they are not limited. They could have said, yes, we like the ADM. Yes, we like this. We talk about the true investing because you only have so much money in a portfolio to invest is not unlimited. Like when you see some of these hype things about the 600%, there's no limit to what they can buy. Well, especially you look at a period like 
March 2020, April 2020, I wonder how many stock picks they had back then mm-hmm. because we only had so much cash that we could step in yeah. and buy things. I think we bought maybe one to two companies during that time period that were new to our portfolio. For them, they could have had like 10, 15, 20 picks. Yeah. It's like, oh, our average return is up, you know, 200, 300%. Yeah, I mean, you pick near the <laughs> bottom. That's pretty easy. Right. <laughs> but they have unlimited cash when they talk about those picks. And the other thing that I don't know if they do is, like, do they help with the selling? And, you know, I don't think they help with the managing of the portfolio when they're talking about those stock picks. So I don't think they're telling you, sell this one, buy this one. That would be, uh, I think, more realistic than our stock picks are up. Yeah, yeah, because investing can be frustrating. And that's why I want to bring that up, because you think like, oh, I'm doing so poorly. I didn't do 600% in the last 10 years because you had a real portfolio, and they did not. And I've seen it in publications. I've seen it, you know, Motley Fool advertise it all the time. Every time I see it, I get irritated. Like, yeah, that's not what investors are going to get with you because they only have so much cash to, to actually work with. So I just want to point that out because we talked about missing ADM. Reality is there's going to be ones that we miss, you miss, you got to go on uh, and don't think you're going to get that 600% return. Yeah, absolutely. And before we go to our next call, I did want to mention one time uh, as we we do our smart investing weekly stock analysis on YouTube. I I almost forgot to kind of talk about that. Uh, We talked about MetLife yesterday. Again, we talked about the financial companies and and how we think they're a good place to be investing this year. Actually broke broke down MetLife. They're, of course, an insurance company, but uh, still fit into that financial realm. So, Interested in that video, uh, again, go to YouTube, type in Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey, and you can kind of get our thoughts on that. And the cool thing is we actually get a little bit more time than we do here on the show to break down those particular businesses. Yeah, yep. so yeah, and, and, that, and actually a lot more people are getting attuned to that and actually turn into those and get more real investing is what they're actually getting. All right, phone number is 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833 0973. Let's go to Poway and speak with Bruce. Bruce, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, just wanted to touch base with you on something that's been in the news uh, business page, anyways, for a while, uh, a short while, I guess, is SoFi. Wanted to get your take on SoFi, and it's um, been hit pretty hard the past couple of weeks. Um, seems to me it, it may be a good growth, growth opportunity with the bank charter that they received, but uh, wanted to get the expert's uh, opinion on it. Thank you very much. I'll take your call offline, too. Okay, Bruce. Thanks for calling in there, then. All right, let's talk about uh, SoFi. Their symbol is S-O-F-I, and I think at a weekly, maybe a monthly basis, I always get something in the mail from these guys about borrowing money uh, with them. So I, very have, well. I have my student loan through SoFi. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Okay. So and they got a very cool stadium up in L.A. Oh, that's right. They do. <laughs> and you've been happy with the student loan? Uh, yeah. Stadium? No, yeah. I, I got a great rate on it. Um, you know, it, it's I don't really talk to them very much. It's just kind of on auto pay. But the experience was good. Yeah. Okay. It's very easy to so. set up. So it, it's uh, okay. And I do know, as you said, they just got like that bank chart that, that they got approved, I guess, to be a bank now before they were kind of more of a lender right. now. I think they can kind of hold assets and be FDIC insured. I, I haven't looked exactly into those headlines, but I, I believe that's the news that did come out. You know, I think what's going to happen with that, they're going to be like a, a Capital One, like a synchrony yeah. to where they have the bank, to where they can bring in deposits, pay out 0.3%, and then loan money out at, uh, you know, 3 or 4%, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll say. I mean, I know synchrony and Capital One do much higher things, but it gives them a very nice spread. Uh, what they're paying for it. So I think that's going to help them raise capital to maybe increase their profits. But let's take a look at the numbers on uh, SoFi. 
unfortunately here, no P.E. ratio, which means over the last 12 months, no earnings. Uh, industry did have a P.E. ratio of 10.5. Gosh, price of sales 10.3. That's double the industry up 5.5. Price to book value 3.2. That is positive because the industry is at 49.9. And by the way, they're not in the banking industry. They're in the credit services industry. So a little bit different there. And I noticed that when I saw the price of tangible book value. Now, I see no earnings growth over the past year, no sales growth. So I don't know if they perhaps maybe just reported. We don't have those numbers out yet. So we, you might have to call back uh, in another a week and see if they have numbers there. Uh, look at the balance sheet. They are a bank, so there's no current ratio. But debt to equity looks good, 0.7 versus 1.3. We do see that uh, they have a net profit margin of a negative, 52.3% versus a positive 29. So you want to find out from the P&L why did they lose 52%? What is going on? Are they just kind of building the business? Do they have to pay, uh, spend a lot to get that bank charter? Uh, understand the business, uh, you know, what, they, what they've been doing. And then return equity, also not good, a negative 12.9 versus a positive 35.5. And even return on invested capital is a negative 5.7 versus a positive 23.7. So these numbers are not looking so good. So maybe you got something going forward a little bit better. Well, let's look here. Current price, $11.10, 52-week high, $24.95, and a 52-week low, $10.51. It's, it's been, I want to say, abused this year, down close to 30% year-to-date in just, just a month's time frame. That's a huge decline. Yeah. Three-month return down about 44%. Uh, I see market cap for this company is about $9 billion. So it, it's, again, a decent size, but it is definitely hinging more on the growth factor. I mean, I see going forward, there's no estimated earnings per share, or I should say a loss going forward. So we can't drive a target sell price. Um, this one is a gamble. Yeah. And um, I want to like it because I think they will be okay. But, but again, we don't invest that way. I, I don't invest on things that I want to like. I invest right. in things that, <laughs> I, that I don't work out. And this one could grow into you know a very nice online bank, could be a great competitor for some of those uh, other banks as well. But the key word there is could be. And, and they are FDIC insured. I they believe got, that's what they, they, they the, just got yeah, the approval for. They got for. the bank chartered, so they'd be FDIC insured. I would think that they're going to pay some pretty good rates to, to build that bank. So I'm, I'm maybe on Monday because I got some extra cash, a uh, liquid cash. Maybe I'll look at that because I'm, my guess is right now you go to an online bank, uh, and we used a couple of them. Uh, I think they're around 0.5, I think is what you can get maybe on the online banks. You might see this one maybe, maybe do 0.6, maybe 0.7, pay a little bit better return on liquid money. You're kind of laughing. You don't yeah. think it's going to happen? Uh, it's smaller terms. So yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I know. But, but for liquid cash, I mean, still. And again, when you go to a normal bank, it's just like it's 0.1, 0.2. Um, but no, I mean, that, that could be an opportunity to put the money in the bank for liquid money. However, you know, investment-wise, I, I think we've got to wait and see how that goes. But we should start to see those interest payments tick up. And that's the thing you got to look at the banks here is they're going to have to start to pay more for the deposits. That's why the long end of the curves are going to be super important for the financials is because, you know, the Fed raising the short-term rate, that's going to be great for the depositors because they're going to get more money. Right. You want to make sure that these banks are going to benefit on the long end as well. That's where you want to make sure the financials are a good investment. And I think the long end is going to outpace the short end, which is why we like the financials. But and be careful with this one. And real quick, I saw that uh, December 2022, negative 32 cents. But December 23, after the report, we'll get that number. Yep. So change that. All right, there's Frank Sinatra. There's the closing bell. Got to go. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used on investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 
888-546-4306 or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational investment uh, tips, uh, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase. We'll see. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show.